Welcome to the latest edition of the Eternal Sentinel Bucks Podcast. I'm Matt Velasquez, and I'm joined by Charles F. Gardner, who is in Las Vegas right now taking in Summer League, where the Bucks are 1-0 as of today, Saturday, uh, July 9th. And they're off today before getting back into action tomorrow. Charles, uh, good to be talking with you again. Yeah, good to talk with you, Matt. It's been a long time and uh, been kind of a crazy couple of weeks with everything going on in the summer in the NBA and uh, now everybody out here in Vegas and summer leagues just getting underway. Yeah, I mean, a little inside baseball for our listeners. You know, it's hard for us to figure out a good time to podcast with, you know, I was at the draft and you were here in Milwaukee covering the Buck side of the draft and, and then suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm working in the office. You're handling Buck stuff. I'm out of town. You're out of town. You know. So we got, we got it done today. We get it done today. It's great. Well, in free agency, there's no good day to do it because things change in a matter of minutes. So, <laughs> as we found out a few few days ago with uh, nonstop uh, news on free agency, absolutely uh, right. Oh yeah, and so we'll get to all that free agency talk later. But first, we're going to start out with summer league since that's where you are and, and and that's what's going on right now. So as I mentioned, the Bucks are one and zero in summer league. They beat the Cavs on Friday night. Uh, you know, what were your initial takes from watching that game? Game to see, you know, the, especially the the main three guys. You know, Thon Maker, the first round draft pick, Malcolm Brogdon, the Bucks second round draft pick, and then Rashad Vaughn. You know, the the you know kind of focus among the returning guys. Um, since he was last year's first round pick, I think uh, all you know the all three of them did did pretty well. Rashad struggled shooting, and uh, as as you had texted me yesterday, what was wrong with his finger? He had cut his finger and had some stitches in it on his right index finger on his shooting hand. So uh, you know he was playing it down, no big deal. But I think it did affect his shooting stroke a little bit in that game I, uh, you know he was one for eight from three point range I'm looking at the box score here but he still had nine points and played 31 minutes he's going to play you know he's going to play a lot out here um, but the biggest takeaway from yesterday had to be Thon Maker you know surprise pick at number 10 and a lot of people wondering how he would do and it, he was sensational, man, <laughs> in my view. I mean, a couple of his plays were. And then in a close game, he made some big plays at the end, uh, not the least of which was a was great block on Kay Felder driving in uh, with the Bucks leading by three points and about one minute left in the game. That's kind of game-changing play. And, and right before that, he had a block on a three-pointer closing out. He did. He you did. Know. So he had two key blocks late in the game. And Jason Kidd, I talked to Jason today. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go along here. But Jason said his play of the game that he took away, and he told Thon about it today at the scrimmage. They scrimmaged the Raptors. Uh Jason went up to him and said, hey, look, I like that block. That was a nice block, everything. That's great. <laughs> but what he loved is they, and you, and you remember this, Matt, how they forced some turnovers on this during the season last year with Giannis guarding the inbound pass from mm -hmm. side from side court. And, they, and, of course, so what do they do after they go up three? They have fun guarding that inbound pass from side court. And I thought, oh, man, this guy isn't going to be able to get the ball in. And he, like, reached his foot out over the line, turnover, 
And I knew the coaches were going to be ecstatic about that, and they were. Well, and, and, and I'm and I'm sure our uh, our buddy over at Milwaukee Magazine and Brew Hoop, uh, Eric Name, I'm sure he was excited about that because he one of his pet peeves when we watch games with him, you know, at the Bradley Center during the year is watching Jabari Parker defend the inbound and doing it terribly. So you know, see, oh, see, see, so he'll like that. So oh, he'll gonna, he'll love that. All right, for Eric, yeah, he should have been there to see that. But it, but anyway, it was. Uh, it was really a good play when the coaches, uh, Sean Sweeney made mention of it too yesterday, even right, even after the game and the post game. So, uh, but I think my play that I liked the best, Matt, we all have a play that we liked the best. The play I liked the best was he just came out of nowhere to get a rebound and was fouled, offensive rebound. And he also made an offensive rebound after missing a free throw and then put it back for in the first half, it was basically a four-point play because he had hit, hit a hit a jumper, was fouled, missed the free throw, but somehow got the rebound and uh, put it back in for four points. So, but but overall, you know, it, and the, the other impression you get from him, Matt, is that he's just a very uh, smart young man. He's well-spoken. Uh, he said after the game that he felt he was rushing it on the offensive end. He wasn't happy. He missed uh, nine out of 14 shots. He said, I was just rushing. He said, I didn't know that practice was harder than the game, <laughs> which I thought was great. You know, he said, hey, I was playing at the pace that we were playing in practice. And I have to realize that, hey, the game, it slows down a little bit. He said, these shots he had were open. He said, I've never had so many open shots. I just didn't hit them. So he's discovering what what the NBA pace and game will, will be like. And Malcolm Brogdon said a little bit about the same thing as the point guard. He said the pace is faster than the college game, and he has to get the team into the correct pace while not hurrying too much. So that's kind of the adjustment he's trying to make. So very interesting. He, uh, Brogdon speaking, he had 11 rebounds, three assists, nine points. So played, played very well. The coaches were happy with him as well. And, uh, you know, so I think uh, it was a good debut for both of them. Yeah. And, and looking at, at Thon Maker, particularly, I mean, from what we know from Jason Kidd, everybody's going to play. He's going to get minutes this year. He's not just going to sit on the bench or get sent down to the D-League. But the way he played yesterday, you know, where he was hustling all over the court, getting to rebounds, blocking those shots, you know, he, he took a little while in the first half to kind of get settled. And you could tell he had, you know, a little bit of nerves going on. But once he got kind of settled into the flow of the game, you know, and he was doing all those kind of, you know, hustle plays and intangibles, you know, you kind of looked at him and said, you know what, he's going to get, he's really going to get minutes. Like, he's not just going to sit around. No, I mean, it will be interesting. I'm sure there will be some games maybe he won't get so many, many, so many minutes. But there will be games they can use him. And uh, it it looks, you know, I sat down with Dave Babcock, the Bucks vice president of player personnel. I wanted to get some comments from him in the story. And I thought he was, uh, you know, he's seen Thawne for several years now. And he said when they saw him at the Hoop Summit, the Nike Hoop Summit in Portland in 2015, not this year, but in 2015, he said he was playing a little bit more inside and he was actually less effective. He, and he, he said in the past year now, 
He's kind of diversified the game where he can go outside and inside, and he's gotten stronger. And you can see that he's much stronger, even though he's, of course, going to need to get stronger in the NBA. That, that, that's a process that, that all these guys go through. We know I asked him to compare Fon's situation to Giannis and, and, uh, Dave didn't, Dave Babcock didn't say, he said, well, they're not totally comparable, but he said that there are some things that are. You know, they're both going to work hard. They both need to work on their body. And so that I think that gives the Bucks some comfort level that they've gone through this with Giannis and they see the potential with Thon and they think they can make some of those same steps with Thon Maker. I mean, the, there's no secret that there's there's some similarities in these stories, even though they're different players. Yeah, and you mentioned Brogdon and, and how he... Is gonna, you know, he was running the point a lot yesterday and kind of getting into the flow of the game. What position do you kind of see him settling into more, and and what type of, you know, do you see him as a as a top eight rotation player or a top ten rotation player or somebody who gets uh, you know, less playing time than that? Obviously, the the roster isn't fully fleshed out yet, but I'm interested to hear your take on, on where you see him. That's a real interesting question, man. I mean, initially, I would say you don't think he's going to play so much in that position as a rookie but you know you never know <laughs> it's it it's going to be interesting to see now they have Della Vadova a ball handler Michael Carter Williams a ball handler so you know he's going to be down on the list you would think but he's going to get good experience and we all know as you mentioned uh, Coach Kidd will play his bench, and he's he's going to like Brogdon because he's cerebral, doesn't try to do too much. He's a good defender. So those are the type of things that can earn you some minutes. And, um, you know, Rashad Vaughn, that, that's going to be interesting for him. He, he may have to fight for minutes this season. He's going to have to make some progress uh, because there are going to be other guys on this bench. Uh, my story for tomorrow we're writing about, that this could be a functioning bench again. And uh, you know, Matt, that it wasn't that way last year. But now if you have Maker and Brogdon that could potentially play some, now you have uh, Mirza Toledovic, a guy who hit 179 three-pointers off the bench last year in Phoenix. That He's 30 years old. He's going to come off the bench and make an impact. And you're either going to have Della Vadova or... Michael Carter-Williams coming off the bench, one of them. So, uh, but this is maybe getting into what we're going to talk about later. But uh, I, I do think Brogdon will have a chance. I mean, it, it will, it will be interesting. Uh, the interesting part for him out here is that he's playing in summer league, which could be, it's at least five games for the Bucks. Each team gets five, even if you just go into the consolation round. Could be more. And then he's also on the U.S. Select team, along with Jabari Parker, that will train with the Olympic team here for a few days starting July 18th. So I asked him, I said, wow, you, you're really going to get a workout here longer than than almost anyone. And he said, hey, I'm up for it. This is, uh, this is how I'm going to get better. Yeah, yeah. And so kind of kind of bridging the gap between summer league and, and free agency you know I, I saw a, a stat yesterday that the bucks are are fourth in the nba in terms of uh wins over replacement added during free agency 
And most of that is because the guys that they lost were actually negative players. So Right. I saw you had uh, texted or tw- you tweeted about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. outside of really Jared Bayless, I mean, O.J. Mayo, Damian Inglis, Johnny O'Brien were were – Below average, you know, or below replacement level, and so you know the Bucks just by adding Toledovich and Delavadova got better by leaps and bounds because they just shed a bunch of players oh. that that weren't very good. No question, they okay. had they just had to do this to to get some value coming off the bench. And I asked Jason Kidd today, it's in my story for Sunday's paper. Well, I said, who who's going to start? Delavadova or MCW? <laughs> and I didn't think he could answer it at this point, which he didn't, but he did say something interesting. He said, well, it's possible Delhi could start uh, with Giannis because then he would be kind of the shooter and, uh, you know, could play off Giannis and he could also be a, the ball handler at times. So that's going to be real interesting to see how that goes. But that kind of gives them a triangle, I said, of three guys. And maybe my contention has been that MCW could be valuable off the bench. We saw that some of the time last year where he did actually almost better coming off the bench. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. A lot of people thought, well, Delhi will, will be in that same role as, as he was in Cleveland. And he could be, but but maybe not. Oh, well, I I think it's safe to say that we're going to see both ways. They're going to experiment. They're going to see exactly what they have, especially with you know the glut of guards that they have now. We haven't even mentioned Tyler Ennis's name yet. You know, he's, right. he's he's coming off some quality minutes that he played last year. You know, and definite improvement. And now he's playing with Team Canada, trying to get into the Olympics. Um, so yeah, so there's there's definitely a bunch of guys there that can can fight for minutes. It's going to be competitive, and there's still room to add more to this roster um, through free agency. They still have if they retain Miles Plumley, you know, which I have the qualifying offer out. They still have two more right. spots open. Right, and and Coach Kidd mentioned to me today that they may not be done. They probably aren't done. There are some other moves to be made. He said we kind of have to he said it was such a frenzy of action uh, in free agency there the first few days. And don't we know it because things were flying fast and furious that first day. Um, he said we've got to kind of step back now and assess our needs and see what we need. And, and, uh, and some other teams are doing the same thing. So it'll be interesting uh to see a lot of players of course are off the board have been signed but there there are still some moves to be made out there and i don't think you you see the bucks being done at this point yet yeah and so you know one of the first so let's let's go through the bucks moves from the start the first guy was toledovich yes Um, this is someone who i know that i had heard and i'm sure you had heard you know rumors that they might be interested in him because of his ability to stretch the floor and shoot threes but he's also a jason kidd guy and they played he played for kidd when he was in brooklyn you know so what what, what level of of importance do you think the bucks had on getting him well remember there was talk about him at the trade deadline you remember that Mm -hmm. uh matt as well and nothing happened then but he is yeah big pickup one thing uh Jason said to me today in the interview was that I said, well, people are going to know he can shoot threes. What else can he do? (laughs) And he said he's tough. He can get to the basket. He brings some toughness. I think both of these guys, Delavadova and Toledovich, bring some toughness that the team 
needed. Um, just they're gritty players. They've got a little edge about them. That's something that, that the Bucks definitely needed. They missed a lot last year. And so, uh, Toledovich, when, uh, when he played in Brooklyn that year under, uh, Coach Kidd, that was 2013-14. Remember, that was the year they had made all the moves at Brooklyn. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, uh, Joe Johnson. So they had all those veterans and, uh, they had some injuries, and so Toledovich got a chance. I think he averaged 18 minutes a game, which is pretty good. And if you see last year in Phoenix, too, he averaged 21 minutes a game. So he he's playing. Uh, you know, he's used to this role in in playing significant minutes off the bench, and I think that's exactly what what the Bucks were looking for. You know, and so then you know. Shortly after Toledovich, they get Del Vadova. He was the the lightning rod for conversation that day. A lot of a lot of folks I, I know listening to the radio and being on Twitter, you know, don't like his game or they do like his game, but only if he's on your team. You know, right. what you know, and I, I kind of try to do a breakdown on Twitter to find out, okay, what do people really think? Because that was you know, shortly in the in the same timeline, Jared Bayless went to the Seventy Sixers for a little bit less money or similar money. Um, than what Delvadova got, and so it's like, all right, well, the Bucks essentially the decision, whether they had the decision to make or Bayless just chose to leave, but it was between Bayless and Delvadova, and the the general consensus among people that I talked to on Twitter and polled on Twitter was they liked the Delvadova choice over Bayless. Um, so what do you, what do you, what did you hear there, and and what do you think uh, Delvadova brings to the table besides toughness? Yeah, I think Delvadova. Certainly, he's younger than Bayless. Uh, you know, I think they just had targeted him in free agency anyway. They wanted another ball handler, you know, and a tough defender, and that—that's what I think they get in him. They—they they need someone to uh, defend the opposing point guards because, as we've heard them say time and again, Giannis is not going to do that. So they have to have someone there. It's Michael Carter Williams or Del Vadova now that will be able to do that. And certainly he is, uh, gets under the skin of opponents and, uh, you know, has been accused at times of being on the edge, maybe a little bit dirty in some plays. And of course this endeared him to the Cleveland fans because he didn't take any, uh, any guff <laughs> from, you know, he hustled, he played hard, he, uh, he, he didn't back down from opponents, and this is what LeBron liked about him, I think, as well. So I think what's going to be interesting is how does he embrace a larger role? You know, when he was with the Cavaliers, he always had LeBron there. And not to say that he didn't contribute a lot, but now he's not going to have a LeBron on his team. So he's going to have some great young players with Middleton, Jabari, Parker, Giannis. But how how he adapts to that role, I think, will be the most interesting thing, really an expanded role. But I think the reason they want him, there were shooting, the being able to defend, and the ball handling. He had a mix of all those, and they felt that he could get better under Kidd, and he's 25 years old. And how much should should fans read into the fact that Delvadova really couldn't stay on the court during the NBA Finals? I mean, obviously that's the highest level of NBA competition, but but should that be a worry? I mean, he he just over the course of that series, he just 
faded into nothingness. Well, you know, I talked to Jim Boylan yesterday, who's the former Bucks coach and uh, now a Cleveland assistant. And, of course, I congratulated him on being champion. Great to see Jim. as uh, he, he was a guy under Scott Skiles in Milwaukee. Everybody liked Jim. And uh, I asked him basically that. I said, what happened to Delavadova in the finals? And he said it just... You know, it wasn't a good matchup the way the Warriors were playing. He felt it was more about matchups. Certainly the year before, remember Kyrie Irving was injured and Delvadova had to play, uh, more minutes in the playoffs. Now they had Kyrie Irving playing out of his mind. I mean, he had a great finals. So part of it was Irving was playing fantastic and, and part of it, you know, in talking to uh, Coach Boland, Boylan, was that just some of the matchups weren't so great uh, for for him as far as uh, you know being in the game against some of those Golden State guards. Of course, they're some of the toughest guards in the league. But yeah, his he didn't play as much, uh, especially in the finals this year. But he did play in 40 playoff games in the last two years, and I think you know that could be significant as well because that's just that type of experience that a lot of the players on the Bucks team simply don't have. And he's been in the finals. Uh, you know, he, he's been in big games and had to contribute. So I think, I think those are things that, uh, were, were weighed when, when, uh, thinking about signing him as well. Plus the Bucks knew, remember he was restricted, but the Bucks knew, that Cleveland was not going to be able to match the offer. And so I think that was one reason they targeted him. They knew their salary structure would not allow them to to match uh, an offer that was going to come in free agency with, with the cap going going skyward. Yeah, and, and we all knew as of that first day that they weren't going to match because GM LeBron tweeted out, congratulations on your contract. Yeah, thanks, LeBron. Thanks, LeBron. We appreciated that quite a bit. Yeah. That, con- that confirmation is great. He removed the doubt. And a few days later, Cleveland.com, you know, Chris Haynes uh, had that as official. But it was it was pretty well known. But LeBron made it quite clear, didn't he? Oh, yeah. And, and that, that makes it easy for everybody else. So the next big dramatic part of free agency, which I – from the get-go did not think was was going to be was going to amount to anything for Milwaukee was was Dwayne Wade and the the interest and the that he had in in finding a new team and the meeting with the Bucks and the canceled meeting with the Bucks and right. you know all that stuff so you know you you followed along with that pretty closely you know what 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 did you expect from that situation well i think uh, the bucks wanted to be in the conversation sometimes it's good to be in the conversation. Now, Wade was using teams to get a little more leverage with the Heat. As it turned out, uh, surprisingly in some ways, he did not return to the Heat. I mean, shocking in some ways. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're seeing Pat Riley's kind of, kind of drawing a line in the sand there and saying, uh, which I think shocked a lot of people. I, I talked to some people uh, out here in Vegas that said, you know, you just don't do that. This is a guy who played injured for you, who's played a long time. He took think, pay cuts. Yeah, you, I think you you saw Rachel Nichols uh, 
say in her commentary on the jump on ESPN, you know, it's time to pay. <laughs> but but Miami decided not to do that. Now you can, you know, argue from that standpoint they didn't want a Kobe Bryant situation with an extra year, an extra burdensome year uh, when when Dwayne was going to be 37. So you can see both sides of it, I think. But I think the Bucks, from their standpoint, uh, you know, Mark Glassery had the meeting with Dwayne in New York. I heard it went well. They spoke with him. But they didn't really have the money to offer without making a deal. Maybe, say, Greg Monroe, you know, making a trade where they could have got enough salary space to sign Wade. And I personally, Matt, I just don't see the fit. Uh, I think they were intrigued with his leadership possibilities. You know, if Dwayne Wade comes in, he's the leader of your team. And, and we all know they struggled without veteran leadership last year. That was something they were missing. It'll be interesting to see how that develops uh, this year and, and who can really grow into that role. But I think in the end, how is the fit going to be? You know, you got Middleton there, Giannis. The fit didn't seem good on the court, at least to me. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, and, uh, and, and there's no point in overpaying for Dwayne Wade for, you know, when when you could spend that money more judiciously on someone who's going to help grow your team over right. the course and, of time. I mean, Dwayne Wade, at that point, you'd be paying for past performance instead of paying for future right. performance, which right. is generally not a good idea. And they can't be doing that, and they've got contract extension coming up for uh, Giannis this summer. Possibly that will get done, and also Jabari would be eligible, you know, the following summer, next summer. So I think you have to take all those things in, into consideration. You know, now Dwayne is in Chicago, should make the rivalry even more interesting. He's going to be closer. Here's Jabari from Chicago playing for the Bucks. Uh, here's Wade who went to Marquette playing for the Bulls. So it's, I, I think it will be interesting. Uh, but I think the Bulls have some of the same questions. You got Rondo, Butler, Wade. It'll be interesting to see how that all fits together. But, uh, the Bulls, you know, what was interesting is, uh, they had a, an internal conversation in Chicago, according to Casey Johnson, my colleague on the Tribune, you know, about whether they should do a teardown and really start the rebuild. Uh, they had offers for Jimmy Butler. They could have traded him to Boston or, or Minnesota, where Tom Thibodeau, of course, w- was interested in him. And they decided not to do that. So when they decided not to do that, then they wanted to, you know, uh, still be competitive and I think the interesting thing was the Bulls were kind of sitting this one out too they didn't even go to New York that day of the meetings they stayed in Chicago they wanted to see how it was going to work out and you know when when Miami and and Wade could not come to an agreement then they were ready uh, with their offer but yeah I think if you had asked them last week if they thought it was going to happen I doubt they would have thought so yeah, so those were the kind of the big storylines from from free agency, but of course it's not over yet. The free agent period is still ongoing. Uh, what what do you expect to be next? What are the holes that the Bucks still need to fill at, since they have at least two more spots remaining going into the season? Well, it's kind of like a an old record, 
but it, I, I think it's still shooting. You know, now they have Delavadova that helped with the ball handling. Um, maybe a, a sh- another backcourt player, you would think. And, uh, you know, not sure. It depends what happens at the center position. If there is a trade, if Monroe is coming back or if he's, if he's coming back, it looked like they would be set at the center position, especially if they get Plumley back. Uh, so you got to still think that maybe it's filling around with uh, with some backcourt help, uh, possibly another forward in in there somewhere. But now they have Toledovich at six nine as kind of your stretch four to come in behind Jabari. So you kind of you have that. In good shape, you would have to say. Uh, that certainly looks better than it did last season. And uh, at small forward, you have Middleton can slide there. Uh, you have, you know, Giannis can really play any position over there. So uh, it'd be interesting. But I, I think still they might be looking for, for some shooting. We'll see what happens with that center position. That's going to be interesting how that all gets uh, straightened out. Yeah, and there's there's some players left. I mean, obviously all the big-name guys are off the board. Um, you know, there are some other some shooters. Um, Alan Crabb, I know a lot of people have talked about him in relation to possibly being a fit with the Bucks. You know, he's he's still around. Um, looking, waiting he, for a he, well, you know, he got an offer. Uh, I think he's out of their price range by far, Matt, because he got a, I think a, there's an offer sheet from Brooklyn, like a $75 million offer sheet. Oh, well, Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn's got money to throw around. So. Um, yeah, on Crab at Portland. Now, you know, the period is shorter. It used to be seven days. Now they only have three days to make the decision whether to match or not. And uh, so I think that just came came out maybe yesterday. Uh, I've missed a couple of those things since I've been at Summer League, but uh, read about pretty sure that that was the offer from Brooklyn, and they've been targeting him all along. He's a nice-looking player. I mean, I, I see why they are. He just he was one of the keys to the Blazers' nice season. You know, his development, Terry Stotts getting some of those young guys to to develop. And uh, and that's what the Bucks need too. You know, they need some of their own guys, John Henson. You know, some of the guys that were their draft picks to keep developing and improving. Yeah. So I mean, we're at the point where you're looking. If you're going to rank the free agents, you know, one through a hundred, one through two hundred, you're looking for guys that are more in like the fifty to a hundred range now. Those yeah, are the guys that kind of trickle yeah. through. Yeah, and you can see some of the contracts being signed now aren't as big as we saw those first few days when they were um, so large and the, and the teams were spending the money they had with the cap going up 35%. Everybody's saying, oh, these contracts are crazy and all this, but this is the cap. This is the math of the cap, and it may create some odd situations. You, you know, you have Steph Curry um, not, you know, making $12 million. Uh, for the Warriors and what's Durant getting? 27 million or something like that. Two years, 54. But again, his situation should, should be, uh, changed when his contract is up. But, uh, it, yeah, and, it will, and, that, and that's it, something that I know. It that, will be interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I know that people who are obviously listening to a Bucks podcast are are big NBA fans, you know. But it was it was kind of almost annoying in the first day or two of free agency, hearing people, you know, on Twitter and and people writing think pieces, whatever about oh the NBA, this guy's getting paid so much, you know, whatever. But that's just how it is. I mean, the the NBA money, you know, is coming in because of the TV deal. And they're splitting it between the owners and the players, which pushes the salary cap up. And the guys who are free agents this summer reap the benefits. And the guys who aren't reaping right. the benefits now right. will reap the benefits in future seasons because the cap isn't just going up for one year and going back down. It's going to go up again next year. We, we, we don't know how much it's going to be, but it's going up again. And it, whether it goes up from there or not, it's it's going to stay where it is, You know, depending on what the CBA looks like when they renegotiate that. I mean, that's, that's just the situation that's- that it is. And so, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know how, how else to say it other than that's the situation. That's the NBA that we are are part of now. And, and maybe you might not, you know, like it if you're a Lakers fan and your team gives $64 million to Timothy Mozgov over, over four years. You know, and, and $16 million for Mozgov might not, you know, the optics don't look good, you know, but you look at the general ballpark of what centers were getting in free agency and that's about what you were going to be paying. I mean, that's about what Greg Monroe's contract is. Greg right. Monroe is making 17 next year. Yeah, Moscow's going to be the starting center. So, well, for the Lakers, it's going to be interesting. And, oh, by the way, Matt, speaking of the Lakers, I'm going to get off on a tangent here, but an interesting one, I think. You cannot believe the Laker fans at Summer League. I oh, I mean, know. I, I they, heard them on TV last night. <laughs> they are everywhere. They were lined up outside today. I almost couldn't get a parking spot because the Lakers were playing over there today. <laughs> but you hear my little rant. I mean, it is crazy. And uh, one of the managers at the hotel here, I've stayed here a number of years, so they know me, and uh, I like these guys here. And he said, Charles, how do you think the Lakers are going to be? What do you think? So they're... There are plenty of Laker fans that make the trip over, but also there are plenty of Laker fans in Vegas. Let me tell you, they're going to have a hockey team here, but I know, you know, that, that there are plenty of Lakers fans in Vegas and they show up in summer league in big numbers. And, uh, in fact, uh, Jim LaBombard, who's the PR, a uh, good friend of mine who I've known, he's from, from the Nina area and is the, PR manager for the Raptors. He said they were playing opposite the Lakers yesterday. <laughs> and he said, oh, I wondered why there was nobody in the stands for our game. He said it was like uh, you, could hear, you could hear the crickets in the gym. Yeah, I'm <laughs> they, for sure. Because they were, they were at the Cox Pavilion, you know, while the Lakers were playing across the building. The, the way it's set up here in Vegas, the two buildings are basically connected. There's a, a hallway or a middle middle area in between and you can walk back and forth but everybody was over at the thomas and mac watching the lakers no no surprise yeah yeah so before i let you go and get back to to summer league and dinner and vegas and all that i'm gonna hit you with some uh, some questions from twitter uh <laughs> okay. that, that i collected right before we got on so we'll try and do some rapid fire and okay. uh, and get a couple of these out so first one is do the bucks see thon maker long term as a five or a four and the second part of that question is, who starts the year at center? Uh, wow, that's a double barrel. Well, number one, I think it's easy. I think they see him as a four. 
He's a stretch for a 7-1. I don't think they see him as a center. He's a guy who they believe will be able to step out and shoot. Now, could he play some center? Whenever a guy's 7-1, you think so. But, but the way he handles the ball, uh, you know, he can dribble the ball. Uh, I think the answer there is a stretch for, a stretch for, right? So they, they, they kind of see him like the next C, or at least how they saw and used Porzingis last year. Not saying they're the same, but they used, Por, they used Porzingis yeah. before. They had Robin Lopez at the five. Yeah, I, th- I think exactly like that. It's, they're not the same player, but but again, that's I think that's a good comparison. And who's going to start at center? Wow, the, the, <laughs> who's a, well? I'm going to say Greg Monroe. I don't think they can trade his contract right now unless unless something. Uh, well, I I don't know. Let's say Greg Monroe. All right. Well, that, actually, that leads me into the second question. Maybe I'll tackle the. It said, "Are the Bucks going to be able to trade Greg Monroe this summer?" And you know, you just said you're not sure. I That's think- a seventeen million dollar question, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was I was talking to a friend of mine who covers the Celtics today, uh, a friend of yours too, uh, Mark Murphy. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Ran in, ran into him in the parking lot today, and I said, "Well, I said, well, the Celtics, uh, what's the deal? They don't want Greg." We were kind of joking about it, and he said, "Well, you know," he said, "Charles, they want guys." He doesn't even think Okafor too has been rumored with Boston, right? And he said, I, I don't know that they want Okafor. He said, they want guys that can space the floor. They got Isaiah Thomas, a little point guard. He's going to drive in the lane, and they want him to go to the rim or dish, right, or dish out to the wings. And, and uh, you know, they drafted Jalen Brown. That The model isn't for them to have uh, a low post guy who who can't face up toward the basket as much, and of course this is a little bit of the Bucks problem with Greg too. You got Giannis, you got Chris. How does he fit? He definitely can score, uh, but as a low post player, but uh, does he fit in there when you when you you've got these guys that can stretch the floor and you want to run the break and go to the basket? We saw that Plumlee kind of fit into that game nicely in some ways uh, last season. So uh, whether they can trade him, that that is the big question. Uh, I, I think it's difficult. I mean, I think it's difficult in part be, because of the contract. It's also difficult because of the way the NBA has changed. Yeah, and there aren't too many teams that have the the parts and the players that they'd be willing to trade um, that that would match up salary wise, and there aren't too many teams uh, that you know have are so low on the cap room that they need to hit the floor, and they need that much extra room to hit the floor. And if and those types of teams, they're they're teams that they are even close to that are teams like Philly and I, some some of the bottom bottom half of the NBA teams, and they're not trying to get better by adding Greg Monroe. They're trying to get better by making smart financial decisions for long term so they can get into the draft, sign those guys, develop them, and one guaranteed year of Greg Monroe at $17 million isn't isn't really helping them. I know that I've seen rumors, I mean, we've seen rumors for months about the Pelicans and the possibility, because obviously they have Ashik's contract and they have Tyreek Evans and his contract um, that that could match up uh, one or both depending on who the Bucks put in the deal and if, if it would 
possibly happen. But I think he, if you're the, Greg is from New Orleans, so there's always some rumors about uh, about the Pelicans. It seems right like. that too, and you know, but it's a situation where the Bucks, I, I, every, everyone knows. I mean, it's not no secret around the league that Greg Monroe is is on the block that he's available, and so when when the situation arises like that, you don't want to just trade him just to move him. You want to trade him for value. Right. And, and, and I and I don't think they will. They won't. I think you know move him just to move him. They are going to. They still feel he has he has value. As sources within the organization have told me, look, uh, you know, we think he has value, and uh, so well, and he's a, he's a good locker room guy. You know, I think he he's well liked there. Um, yeah, in ter- he's well liked. We saw that team. last year, no doubt. No doubt, he's he, he was a good person in the locker room, and uh, I, I I think it was a tough situation for him, kind of the way the season went. Um, he he handled it for for the most part fairly well, you'd have to say. So yeah, and and if he's on the team when the season starts, it doesn't mean he'll be on the team when the season ends, but. You know, because obviously they have to gauge if they can get anything back for him. You know, if they know that he's not going to come back or he's not going to opt into that that third year of his contract. Um, but you know, it'll be something we'll have to monitor the whole time. But for right now, it, there are, doesn't seem to be too many teams that that would fit the the mold for a team that could take him on at this point. Yeah, it doesn't appear that way, and we'll just we'll just kind of have to, as you said, that we just have to keep watching it, see where that goes. If he is on the roster in training camp, you know, it's going to be real interesting. Then how how do they use him? How can he fit? Can can it be a better fit if if, if he's still there? Yeah, and so the next question I got here is: Now that Dwayne Wade is on the Bulls, will he be welcomed by Bucks fans? I, yes, I think Dwayne Wade will always be welcome in Milwaukee. If, if you, you know, the Marquette fans are very loyal, as you know, from covering the team. And Matt, I just think that's never going to change. He is always going to get an ovation at the Bradley Center. He always has. And I think he always will. And if anything, maybe, maybe you know the Bucks fans and the Bulls fans have a rivalry, but I just think Dwayne Wade, he is always going to be, uh, you know, the fans are going to cheer for the Bucks, but they're also going to appreciate Dwayne Wade. They appreciate what he did at Marquette, and that. You know, he's always said that was a big part of his life and his career and getting him to where he, where he has gone in the NBA, which is 12 time NBA all star. I, I don't ever see a, a Gary Payton situation where he's going to be getting booed at the Bradley Center. Don't see it. Or, okay. Or, <laughs> don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it either. I mean, they cheer Jimmy Butler. He wears Bulls jersey. So, but then he puts on a Marquette jersey after the game. Right. So, hey, how many Marquette guys are on that Bulls team now, man? Yeah, ju- just two, but that's uh, two, two out <laughs> of the that's six. But that's a pretty, that's a big two. Two, two out of the six. Yeah, that are they're in the league right now, and you know you got Henry Ellenson yeah. also in the, the central in the central division. So, yeah. You know, lots of lots of trips to the Bradley Center for former Marquette guys, and you'll have to see what happens with Steve Novak too. 
And we, we will. There's a, remember Steve Novak. He, he still may come back to the Bucks. We don't know yet at this point because he's a free agent. And, you know, there still may be a spot for him. We'll, we'll have to see how that all shakes up. Yeah. So we'll go on to the next question. Uh, how does the fact that the Bucks need to generate excitement and sell lots of tickets play into how they build the team? Well, that's a good question. Uh, obviously, they want to be on the uptick going into the new building. They have two years until that time. Uh, I think they want to be a good team no matter what if they're going into the but, – but we all know they are going into the new building. That's a reality, and that's going to create a lot of excitement with the young players. Uh, so I, I think it is something they think about uh, in – but it's not the overriding element when they're making moves. I don't think they sit down and say, oh, yeah, we have to make this move because we're going into the new building. I mean, that's just not how the basketball operations works. They're scouting players. They're scouting talent. Um, and I think, you know, as John Hammond, as general manager John Hammond has talked about, the ownership group with Wes and Mark and Jamie had – have said, look, we want to be a strong team. We want to contend for championships in the future. And that means sometimes you take a little more of a risk, such as the Thon Maker pick, uh, because we think this guy can be a potential star. And so we're going to take him at 10 where maybe some other teams would have been more careful. It worked out so far with Giannis, and uh, they're saying, "Hey, let's go for the potential, and let's go for for the upside." Basically, of a guy we think can really be a star. Now, sometimes those guys don't always pan out, and it's way too early for us to know. But you know, I I I think that the that that's a consideration, but only kind of peripheral peripheral I guess I would say they certainly want to have a good product going into into the new arena but if you know these owners they want to have a good product this season and next season also so uh, we'll get to another one and I think that this might be the last one uh, for now we always like to try and get your your feedback and your comments uh, all of you who submit questions on Twitter or email or anywhere else um, but in order to keep this podcast at a reasonable length we'll uh, let's, get, <laughs> let's get one more for now okay okay um, and the last one will be have the bucks done enough to improve their three-point shooting oh very good question very good question Uh I don't know if they've done enough yet. It, there was a major overhaul needed, as you know, Matt. They, I mean, they were last in three-point attempts and makes. And, you know, Jason Kidd kind of joked with me. He said, hey, we're not going to be last anymore. <laughs> after after they got to Levich, you know, this guy is a volume three-point shooter. They're not going to be last. So, you know, that's a step forward right there. Uh, I think they've made significant steps, especially getting to Ledovich. Uh And Delamadova, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Can he, he keep up that? But, you know, I refer back to talking to Jim Boylan yesterday, and uh, he said early in the season, Delavadova was 
in the top 10 in three point percentage. He was really, he, he was way up there and he said he tailed off. Yeah. He tailed off whether it's, you know, the grind of the season, whatever, wherever it was. He still finished at 41%. Yeah. You remember that too, Matt, that he was, he was up there in the, in the percentage. And oh, he yeah. said, yeah, so he said he can shoot the three. So I think those were both, you know, big, big moves. I still think they need more. In, in today's NBA, it's like one of those things. So in baseball, you can never have enough pitching, right? In, in, in the NBA now, you know, look at Golden State. I mean, uh, you know, Curry, Thompson, Draymond, you know. Durant. You, now Durant. He, he, he's the medium-range shooter, but he can shoot some threes too, right? Yeah, now you have Durant. Only, only Big Z, only our friend Zaza is not going to be shooting threes. Uh, on, and Sean Livingston. He's, he's the mid-range guy, right? Won't be shooting the, those. But the, so I still think, in answer to the question, I still think they can use another uh, bench guy. They, you know, don't forget Chris. I mean, Chris Middleton, you know, I remember that game last year. He hit eight out of nine against Minnesota. But he can do so many other things that you don't want him just to be limited to. You know, last year he was the only guy who could almost take one some nights, right? Or Bayless. But Bayless was hurt quite a bit and sometimes he wasn't in there and then they really had their options limited on the threes so I say get more Matt get more yeah and I think you know when it comes to Toledovich you're spot on that he's a, a big addition in terms of being able to shoot threes from the position that he plays um, and then Delvadova he's he and Bayless you know they're kind of a wash. Their, their stat, their career stats compared to one another are almost identical in terms, you know, and especially when it comes to three point shooting, Delhi's a little bit better, um, but it's it's not really a, a, a significant difference. So you look that up, and they're very close. Huh? Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, you yeah. could look up. I mean, if you if you, if you pull yeah. them up over their careers, I mean, obviously Delvadova has a smaller sample size, but their right. stats acro- across the board are very close. Even their like you know per per thirty six minute stats are really close too. Um, so then, you know, obviously he he can shoot some. You know, Brogdon can shoot a little bit. Uh, the biggest question will be. You know, okay, who are the last two guys they add to the roster? But then, how much better do the guys they already have? You know, looking at Giannis, Jabari, MCW, Ennis, how much better do they get from behind the three-point line? Well, well, and that's key, Matt. That's a great point. You know, you keep thinking, hey, they need additional guys, but what about the guys? You know, Giannis was 0 for 7 from three in Greece's game yesterday. But he had hit some threes earlier in that qualifying tournament. And we all know he's been working on it, working on it. Jabari worked on it. And uh, maybe we'll start taking some more as he develops. You know, uh, Jason Kidd was talking today about how well uh, Jabari's summer is going. And, of course, he'll be out here with the uh, U.S. select team against the Olympians uh, in in about uh, 10 days. So, but you're right. So Tyler Ennis, what if he can hit some threes, uh, you know, that will make him more valuable, maybe get him some more minutes on the court. So you're right. It, it comes from within. Obviously, we know we've seen him at practice. They're working on that. MCW, you know, they, if, if he, he's struggled so much from behind the three where to where, you know, he just wasn't a factor with that. But if he could hit some, how big would that be? 
Yeah, I mean that that would definitely be something interesting. And actually, I was just look. I was my mind was wandering because as I as we were talking now, Larry Sanders, former Buck, Larry Sanders, current Buck's payroll uh, item. Uh, yes, Larry Sanders. Uh, he tweeted out a, a screenshot from the movie The Warriors, uh, classic uh, New York gang movie, uh, and so it's a picture of the Warriors walking through Coney Island. So people are reading into that that he's going to join the Golden State Warriors. Not, <laughs> not, not sure. No one's reporting that. Uh, that's just the, the the tweet, the photo that he sent out, and everyone's kind of rushing to figure out what that means um so, so maybe we'll have something to talk about soon on our Don't next know. podcast no i know there was that tournament in chicago i thought he was on one of the teams that uh was playing in that uh tbt tur- yeah, yeah tbt you know about that uh isn't that coming up I'm, i i forget what it, date it, it is it actually started this weekend two of the regions started this weekend and then next weekend is uh, to the other two regions, including the Midwest, uh, which I uh, have written about the Marquette alumni team is playing in okay. the West region. And uh, they actually will have a story later this week talking to a couple of the guys uh, who are playing for Marquette, uh, Jarrell McNeil, D- uh, Darius Johnson-Odom, nice. um, Devontae Gardner. So we'll have a couple uh, – a story about that later in the week in the Journal Sentinel. So, uh, they'll be, they'll be playing in that tournament. Yeah, I believe Larry is also with the uh, Virginia Commonwealth with the VCU guys. Yeah, that might be the in the eastern bracket, but I'm not sure. I heard they were playing in Chicago. I'm not sure why. but <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't see them. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. So – all right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the stuff we had to talk about. Uh, obviously, we'll have to catch up sooner than later uh, compared to this last time. We had a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, summer is always a, a, an interesting time in the NBA and a, a tough time to schedule podcasts on our end, that's for sure. Um, but we'll, we'll get in contact again fairly soon, uh, especially after Summer League, and, uh, and, and check back in on the Bucks. Yeah, soon we'll be doing a podcast from training camp, and it's going to come up before you know it, Matt. Oh, yeah, can't wait. So thank you, everyone, for uh, for following along uh, during the podcast. Uh, as always, you can find the latest podcast at jsonline.com slash bucks in the Bucks blog, where you can stream it or download it. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or Stitcher, and that will automatically uh, give you all of our our podcasts when they come out so thanks again for uh, listening and we'll talk again soon